1: Hello and welcome to episode 23 of The School for Dumb Women. This week we've all released our Christmas adverts, despite the fact it's pretty much still summer. I'm your host woman, Hannah Varrell, and my Christmas advert features a small raccoon making friends with a four-speed blender. With me is, oversteps the mark by making you think about loneliness and
2: mortality, Carolina Donohue. It's important to think about mental health and those less fortunate at Christmas, Hannah, because if you do you'll feel sad, have a crisis and come to my shop to spend money. And
1: 17-year-old who will sing a breathy version of a Britpop classic, Alexandra
3: Haddo I get up when I want, except on Wednesdays when I get rudely awakened by Father Christmas
1: Well that was unexpectedly lovely, on with the show This week we're studying biology, chemistry and media studies And luckily we've watched Romeo and Juliet on repeat So we're confident of an A star in all three of those subjects
2: Mmm, 13 year olds in
3: love Speaking of Christmas, you're going to tell us all about the glowing orb on top of our bodies that controls everything, aren't you, Hannah?
1: That's right, Alex.
3: I'm going to talk about faces. Oh, I've got one of those. Yes. (laughs) It's a good one, too. Oh, thank you. Not today, it's not.
2: Ah, It's very symmetrical, though.
3: Oh, yeah. Give it that. Yeah, Yeah, it's
2: like an ink blot.
3: Oh, (laughs) thanks,
2: mate.
1: Yeah, I wanted to do faces because it's one of those things that when you look at it for too long it becomes totally nonsensical and you're just like why why is that happening why is everything up here
3: have you ever had Mm. the dissociative thing where it's really weird you look at yourself really close up in a mirror and you just say to yourself like this is you this is your face why are you doing this but wait a minute like you start doing it and then you you freak out it's like it's like a shark can't swim back like Try it when you get home. Is this like when Where dogs just, come from? When
1: dogs see mirrors for the first time and um, they're like,
3: yeah, <laughs> barking but wildly. But I, used to, I used to do it. Avoid like I mean, not every day, just like every, every now and then. And Nat does it as well, my best pal. And she was like, "Oh my god, I thought I was weird." And she said, "She said like it's this form of dissociation." This is this a thing that you do up north? Then no, <laughs> not at all. I would. It's not even a thing. Like I've said, it's one of those really, really small idiosyncrasies, but try it when you get home you start freaking out and you can't believe it's your own face I know it sounds really weird but honestly when you get home try it
1: I think I do sort of know what you're talking about because you kind of you look really closely and then you're just like
3: oh my god that's literally I'm seeing my eye with the eye that I'm seeing in the mirror yeah Yeah. you're like oh my god this is me this is actually me this is actually me and then it starts it's just try it and see if it happens.
2: I get that way whenever I look at my own passport or, or any anything that's like a physical description of you that says, like, uh, you know, hair, blonde, eyes, green, you get really freaked out being like, oh, that's, I'm just like a bundle of characteristics and yeah. not yeah. a thing. I have, there is no soul. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm just there a is a no soul. Yeah. Big old yeah. leaky bag.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, uh, I was thinking about faces and then I was thinking, why is everything on our head? Um, mm, why true. is everything on our head? Eyes, that's nose, That's a great mouth.
3: question. Kissing? I assume that's got a lot to do with it. Well, Easy to hap- happens access. happens on your face, yeah?
1: Yeah. There's a really obvious answer here, guys. Because of your brain? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's just, it's close to the brain um, and obviously their eyes and nose and mouth and ears are all sensory organs and the information that they uh, receive needs to travel into your brain quickly. So it's fast response times, uh, which is really important because if you see something, you want to be able to act straight away and if your eyes are in your feet it might take a tiny, tiny bit longer. I was going to say, it's not like... Oh. Yes, yeah, so my feet are always two hours behind yeah.
3: <laughs> the rest of my body. Of course.
1: But, yeah, so it makes sense that you'd have to have that stuff up in your head so that it can all happen, like, really quickly. Um, but why do you think they're, like, set out in this way? Like, why are the eyes above the nose and the nose is above the mouth? Uh,
3: I think the eyes are at the top so you can survey everything.
2: Yeah, okay. so it's all about like um, detecting threats, right? That's why your ears are parallel to your eyes and then you're, you know, right? It's like they keep all those things together because you need those combinations of things to sense threats or whatever, right?
1: Yeah, but they could be anywhere on your body. Yeah, I guess you could. Like, like in Pan's know?
2: Labyrinth with that monster yes. with the eyes in its
1: hands that oh, I think about all the time. Oh, I hate that. That's really horrible, yeah. yeah. So the nose is above the mouth because you want to smell what you're eating, right?
3: Oh yeah, that so makes sense. if you're putting
1: a mm. uh, you know biscuit into your mouth and then you smell that it's mouldy, um, you have time to move it away and not eat it. Whereas if your nose was below your mouth for whatever reason, it might go in between the nose and the mouth, oh. and you might not smell it. Oh, oh, well, a great face. Then. That's my theory. Anyway, that's absolutely oh. <laughs> <laughs> was that just something you made up? That's uh, that's something I made up earlier. And mm-hmm. the
3: cheeks just sort of spare land.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cheeks are just cushioning, aren't they? Yeah, yeah it's if, your, if your, your tears meaning. is holiday home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, um why do we have two eyes? <gasps> see
2: either side of our yeah. vision? Like mm. No. Predators. For depth perception.
1: Because oh. if you only have one eye, it's harder to see kind of how far away stuff is. Whereas if you have two, then you can sort of
2: Well, why not have three eyes or six eyes or 12 eyes?
1: Why not? We... We'd see by better. Why f- the fuck not? Yeah. Is, just, it just, is it
2: just literally because, like, humans have evolved to the point where, like, we only need two and we haven't—we don't have a need for a third one? I
1: think so. And if you think about most mammals, like, so many animals share this whole setup. So we've got, like, four yeah. limbs and then some kind of trunk and then a head mm. with eyes and a nose and mouth and ears. Yes. Like, so many animals have this. We share 80% of, the, of our genes with cows.
2: Okay. So you know how, like, when you took a photo on your iPhone... How um, it'll like uh, identify all the faces in the photo. Um, oh yeah, my iPhone will detect my dog's face. <gasps> like two faces wow Yeah, my
3: iPhone genuinely recognises me as two people one with makeup and one without <laughs> that's, that's what I found so out the works. other day so good. but yeah so basically in evolution when something
1: works there's no need to complicate it and be like oh why don't we try out eight eyes why don't we try out mm. eight eyes on this human and we'll see if that works because that's just not how evolution works it's very it, much of
2: it in broke don't fix it yeah
1: completely so it's got this system whereby all these creatures have two eyes one nose one mouth two ears and it's like fine great it's working really well We'll Why do that. that
2: specifically mammals um, share that trait with one another? Because like obviously like, um, you know, insects and certain kinds of fish and all, they don't have that set up.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe we have a more similar kind of evolution path.
2: Yeah, I guess because we all have the same wants and needs, which is, um, you know, we all feed on land. We all like are in packs generally. Like, so yeah, I guess that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I guess so. But whales are mammals.
2: They've got two eyes and a mm. mouth and a nose and a hole.
3: Oh, oh. do <laughs> whales have noses? Uh you know what? No, I just yeah. said that. but I
1: don't know. If it's true. <laughs> Sharks have noses, don't they? Because you meant to punch a shark on its nose. Yeah, yeah.
3: They must. If, if you ever get attacked by a shark, you punch it on its nose. Apparently, it freaks out. Is the
2: thing everybody knows?
3: Yeah, yeah. You don't know that. No. <laughs> I mean, if you if you have the alacrity and dexterity to be able to in its natural environment punch a shark <laughs> on the nose underwater <laughs> yeah. yeah, then I think you could probably fight the shark off yeah, yeah. probably um, why are our faces so symmetrical
2: um, they're prettier that way
1: yeah. nah they're pretty they are prettier that way um, but also because that's kind of just how bodies work bodies are symmetrical because then it's easier to balance
2: mm.
1: um, and if it's easier to balance then it's easy to like run around and run from your prey and things
2: like that Ooh. so why is my right boob bigger than my left boob oh because you've evolved
3: terribly wrong oh, oh something's gone yeah <laughs> something's gone Oh, really. well, that's just you Caroline
2: <laughs> <laughs> nobody else has that problem my
3: nope. left foot is bigger than my right foot mine too yeah, yeah. yeah. me too oh my god yeah well, my left penis is slightly better than my right penis. <laughs> of
1: course.
3: Um, why are
1: faces so easy to recognise as well? Why do we all care so, so much about
2: them, and, and we, we're like we could program to see them in like things. You know, we see them yeah. in clouds, we see them in toast. We, you know, what I mean, like we exactly we just see them.
1: Yeah, and it's it's because our brains are predisposed to learn human facial forms because mm. um, it helps with like social interaction. And if you're a baby and you recognise your mum, you're like, oh, I can cry and she'll give me things. Mm. Um, or my dad. Let's be, let's be real. <laughs> Sorry, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah your mum. Or your dad. Or your dad, yeah. Or if you're in Peter Pan, the large dog that looks after you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, the weirdest fact I found about faces is that we all have tiny animals living on them all the time. Pardon? What? So there's this microscopic mite called a demodex. Which sounds like something out of Stranger Things, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they are eight-legged creatures, kind of like spiders. They're related to spiders loosely, um, and almost everyone has them living on their face. They live in the hair follicles. They eat mm-hmm. sebum, which is
2: like, is it like knits? oil. It's for your face,
1: Ugh, kind face of face nets, kind of yeah. And Skinies. so they just run around. They spend their entire lives on our faces, um, where they eat, they mate, they die, um, and. They don't have anuses. Sounds like Downton Abbey. (laughs) (laughs) So their whole lifespan is sort of a couple of weeks maybe and they go their whole lives not pooing and then when they die, the body sort of dissolves and all the poo comes out onto your face. (laughs) Yeah, that's horrible, right? But I exfoliate every day. Is that
3: why my face is full of shit in the morning? (laughs) Yeah. Before I've washed it. (laughs) Is, that, is it Maybe. why?
1: No, I mean these are tiny. Like they're so so tiny. I don't think they can be seen with like, the human eye. You have to have a microscope to mm. see them. <laughs> We're still, freaked though. Um, and at least uh, you won't
3: feel lonely at night if you're on your own now. <laughs> There's thousands of tiny creatures <laughs> My living demodex on are Memphis.
1: here, um, and the amount of healthy adults that they think have these demodex living in their skin is between 23 percent and 100 so, percent. Oh, so
3: I might not have them. Yeah, but you probably almost definitely do. Yeah, because I'm a bit manky as well.
1: But they're completely harmless. Um, Although there is a theory that they're somehow connected to rosacea,
3: um, which is like a reddening of your skin. (laughs) Apparently I've got rosacea. How? As a woman once told me, uh, she was giving me a facial consultation. And she was like, you've got rosacea. And I was like, sorry, I've just run up the stairs. I think my face is just a bit red. (laughs) She's like, no, you've got rosacea. And I was like, okay, well, how do I get rid of it? And then she went, you can't, it's chronic. (laughs) And then just sent me on my merry way. (laughs) Thanks, then.
1: Well, it could be related to the Demodex mites on your face, but um, they don't know what the cause and effect is. They don't know if the mites cause the rosacea or if the mites just thrive on the rosacea because you've got lovely, oily skin for it to eat.
2: Mm. Mmm. Ew. Faces are horrible. I don't want mine anymore.
3: So, I was babysitting the other day. Yeah? Uh, Yeah, and I was singing that nursery rhyme, but I couldn't remember the words. Old MacDonald had a content farm? Yeah. Uh, Old MacDonald had a content farm. S-E-S-E-O.
2: And on that farm, they destabilised the US elections? Holy fucking no! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, today's Women Who Code Mixer is about content farms. (laughs) Wait, 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 go, 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 go.
3: What on earth is a content
2: farm? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, because they're destroying our way of life. Oh. And the
3: rainforests?
2: And um, Well, no. Uh, more important than the rainforest is uh, specifically all three people in this room's livelihood. So it's not about cowspiracy? It's not about cowspiracy, thank fucking God, because I'm not in the mood to cry tonight. Um, <laughs> so... Avid listeners of the School for Dumb Women will know that uh, all three of us uh, live in London. We work in the media. We uh, spend time writing for websites and producing things for websites and just being on websites. Um, But as we all know, it's very, very hard for uh, editorial websites to make money because the only way to get lots of scale, which means like lots of advertising revenue, is by having huge numbers, like millions and millions of people on your webpage. So then you get like a fraction of a penny every time someone has an impression on an ad, right? Yeah. And then that money goes into your bank account. But in order for that to work, you need millions of people and if you're on like a little website i work for a, a arts and culture website based in west london that's incredibly difficult because your scale is very small
3: so are we like the old cow on the farm that's about to be taken out to slaughter
2: yeah like teenagers are going to come at night and tip us over
3: that's okay. who we are i wish it actually i don't wish a teenager would do that
2: to me no you stay inside I'll best you oh, stay no. inside <laughs> Stay in the barn where it 's warm <laughs> um, and uh yeah, and this sort of a uh, system of uh ad revenue has been manipulated by these things called content farms um so you might uh you know sometimes when you 're on a website and it will on the footer of the website it'll be like uh, oh, other content from around the web, and it will be something like uh Oh look how thin Rebel Wilson is now. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. here's a blackhead popping thing. Yeah, like clickbait. Yeah, essentially clickbait, yeah. So the 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 purpose of clickbait is to get like millions of people onto this thing with like stupid eye-catching headlines. Um and then they just get loads of ad revenue off of that. And it's it's kind of like it's very depressing for me in particular, because you know, you try really hard to work on websites and things, but these places they stay they're content farms that are just set up, they employ loads of um undergraduate uh, really? uh people who want to be writers to just like sit there all day and like troll the internet for bollocks. Um and then <laughs> and then they just uh they use math they use loads of keywords and they buy their spaces on all of these websites so they can say to investors and to different ad places, look at all the growth we have but really it's not real.
3: <gasps> So that's why even on really classy websites, sometimes you scroll down and you're like, why are they letting these ads come on? I know it's mental because they they essentially pay for a subscription service to
2: uh, a company that's job is to plug in ads there. And then those ads are created by like these fake robots or underpaid writers who are just like, oh, blackhead videos, just to have this weird channel of money happening that like no. And the weird thing is they're all connected to advertising that nobody's clicking on. Oh, but it's just like, yeah. that's the, the fragile economy of so the where, internet. So where does the money go? What's the kind of mothership of this? I don't
3: know. I think probably well, Google.
2: Yeah. Well, there's, there was a very interesting article that I found from a couple of years ago. And it was about how in the same month, this very well-respected film review website was shut down. The Same month that something, this huge content farm was purchased for 10 million. And it was like, this is actually the future. There's, like, There's no your whole dream of, like, quality long reads in the New York Times about weaving in Sudan. Like, um, everyone (laughs) likes to think that that's what the internet is. Like, it's like, oh, wow, we all this, like, um, free knowledge. But actually, the future of the internet, unless somebody does something about it, is just going to be blackhead videos, cats, and things taking baths.
3: I feel like this is, like, a really, like, dystopian film. Yeah, it is.
2: Well, the reason I'm talking about it today is um, some of you might have seen this article that went viral I mean, not even viral, because to go truly viral has to be tens of millions, um, about her kids' YouTube. Have you no. seen that? So do you guys have any children in your lives? <laughs> I actually do, yeah. My friends have got kids. So um, my uh, my niece is obsessed with uh, the YouTube and like weird videos of them and of people unpacking Kinder Eggs and like Peppa Pig and stuff and, and my sister like she's busy wait no just... the second
3: one makes sense what's the unpacking Kinder Eggs
2: thing oh mate that's a whole other segment but it's like <laughs> yeah essentially people like unpacking Kinder Eggs is a huge thing within kids media Kinder what? Eggs are great though they are great They're I fabulous. have Kinder Eggs all the time I love yeah, them yeah I just I literally don't even open the egg the, the plastic no, thing anymore die. I just bin it I'm like delicious yeah Um, But uh, this article, and we'll share it on Twitter when this comes out, uh, was saying about how people are, because of YouTube will autoplay things, they're putting really disturbing videos that look exactly like these videos that kids are watching on YouTube and hiding loads of weird content in them. (gasps) Like there's like these weird... um, Fake Peppa Pig videos of like her getting her like teeth pulled in agony (gasps) and stuff. Oh my god, and because the parents like doing the washing up or whatever and it's like they're
1: distracted. Yeah. These kids are watching this. Oh, God. What? So people are just doing it to be fucked up.
2: Well, it's weird because some of them, some people are just doing it to be fucked up because that's what people on the internet are like. Yeah. But some of them is just like, um, uh, like content farms that are just AI robots just like putting random things together just like smashing different videos together, pulling different images from the internet and then just putting them out. Like they're programmed to just churn shit out onto the internet to generate ad revenue. And that's the future of content farms. It's actually not going to be freelancers sitting in a warehouse. It's just robots taking various images from the internet, smashing it together and putting it into autoplay YouTube and into different articles.
3: Like, oh my God, I need to get a trade. <laughs> It is mental. I'm this becoming is... a
2: carpenter. Yeah, like you guys have to read this thing. It actually blew my mind wide open.
3: It is yeah. a bit like Cowspiracy. <laughs> <It is.
2: laughs> I told you it wasn't going to be, but it is. Oh um, sorry, this is our least technical and most troubling Women yeah. Code Mixer. I hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs>
1: So Alex, I gather that this week you're trying to pass off your Netflix and chill sesh as a comprehensive lesson about a famous director. Yes, Hannah, that's
3: absolutely correct. Um, I'm studying this week. Baz Luhrmann. Sure. Hmm. Do you know who he is? He yeah. did Romeo and Juliet, which we watched in GCSE English class. Yeah. Oh, i we watched
2: it too. We watched both versions. We watched the Franco Zeffirelli version as well, because I just didn't think they wanted to teach us. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and they know that you'd
2: like the Leonardo DiCaprio one. Yeah. So... But he also did um, uh, Moulin Rouge and Stupid
3: Ballroom and that terrible Great Gatsby remake. Yes, he did, indeed. Uh, And huge flop, Australia, which wasn't actually that much of a flop. Um, Yeah, I decided to do Baz Luhrmann because I feel like he's a bit of a kindred spirit to me in that he does a lot of things. He just seems to to think, yeah, I'll have a go at that now. (laughs) (laughs) And he's hit and (sighs) miss. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's like a jack of all trades, master of them all, and I'm mm-hmm. sort of a jack of all trades, not great at any. So, so uh, I told my friend Sash that I was doing Basil Ehrman today for uh, this segment, and he said to me, which cracked me up so much. He said, "Oh, I don't know who that, who that is." And he said, "I said, oh, you do. He's the director of Moulin Rouge and everything." And he said, "Oh God, I've always thought because I've never seen his name written down that his name was Basil Erman." <laughs>
2: I love that. He's a totally different kind of yeah. director than Basil Ehrman. <laughs> yeah. I do complicated dramas about people in Middle England. And yeah. all of them on Radio 4. Yeah. yeah. The Doctor's Apprentice by Basil Erman <laughs> Produced by BBC.
3: <laughs> um, so that was good. Um, obviously, he is mostly known... As a film director, but he's also released songs. He's um, made like a oh, yeah. f- little f- video for Erd- the recent Erdem H and collaboration, and that's why he was kind of in my mind. Um, and yeah, he's a really cool filmmaker. I always think he's one of those filmmakers where you know it's his film without knowing, mm. like Wes Anderson. You know, yeah. I mean, it looks a certain way. Yeah. Um,
2: and, and because of that as well, people tend to have really strong reactions. Like with Wes Anderson and Baz Luhrmann, people are either like, oh, I fucking love that or I fucking hate yeah. that.
3: Yeah. Baz Luhrmann was originally born as an Egyptian prince. And, but, well, I mean, I say that his real name is Mark Antony. That's what I mean by that. Ah. His name's Mark Antony Luhrmann. Baz was a nickname that his dad gave him. Um, he was born in Australia to a normal family and everything like that. But he's not that interesting in his early life. He actually did some acting. Early on, and then pretty quickly wanted to become a filmmaker. So he he was famous for what was called the Red Curtain trilogy, which I hadn't heard until today. So that was strictly ballroom, mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet, and Moulin Rouge, which are kind of a, a real aesthetic. Yeah, that makes sense. They kind his, of yeah, yeah, and the intro match. to all of them is that red carpet, carpet,
2: red curtain. <laughs> yes, exactly. Back. Yeah,
3: and I, I was like, oh wow, that's cool. But then I re- and then I realised after he'd made them all Baz Luhrmann, then made the term himself he was like oh the Red Curtain trilogy I've yes. done something really clever here yeah. I
2: love that though because I think that there are way too many directors who are just like oh I just took this job because it was paid. Yeah. he's like no I have an aesthetic and yeah. it's called a thing
3: and I think he's a cool guy and a nice guy and he's, he does you know really fun stuff and he's famous because those films because of the Red Curtain and little bits like that almost break the fourth wall a little bit mm. and say like you're watching a film mm. that's that sort of vibe because Moodle Ridge was amazing I thought yeah um, yeah. And I also laughed today when I was reading about him because it said he wrote the screenplay for Romeo and Juliet. I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he absolutely did not. No, because that was word for... it was the, Yeah, the, and that the, was the what play. was so interesting about it. Yeah, so I kind of went off on two small tangents uh, when I was reading about Baz today. Uh, one was the amount of strange things that happened in one of his most famous films while they were filming it, Romeo and Juliet, who mm. we all loved watching in GCSE. Um Somebody was kidnapped when they were filming in Mexico. What? One, wow. one of the cameramen. Um, Not Le- wouldn't you kidnap Leo, though?
1: Mm. Well, I guess like- maybe they
3: couldn't get to Leo because maybe he had more protection. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, this man called Aldo Signoretti was taken, a member of the crew, and the kidnappers agreed to give him back if they were paid 300 US <laughs> dollars. Oh,
2: 300
3: dollars. Yeah, but also they get they threw him out of their car on the way past and broke his leg once the money was thrown over to them. Yeah. Rude. How crazy is that? Rude. Um, so there was loads of stuff that happened on Romeo and Juliet that I'm just going to read out to you now. Um, loads of people got ill during the filming and at one point the whole set was shut down because Baz Luhrmann got a temperature of 110 degrees. Oh.
2: I
1: did Then lot. didn't
3: find out... Yeah. You're, you're, you're 36... You're 37.5, and if your temperature goes no, up to that 35... No, <laughs> that would have
2: Fahrenheit. Oh.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you would be above boiling point. Yeah. We were, you would be You would be cinders. You would be cinders. By the end of filming, Baz Luhrmann was a cup of tea. <laughs> so what's that in? That's 85. Oh, I oh I it's still know. 42.5, which is really high. Did you just calculate that? Yeah. What? what? You've gone from the depths of dumb (laughs) to to the heights
2: of intellect
1: in in 10 10 seconds. seconds, To get
3: Fahrenheit, you minus 25 and half it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well done. Is that not a common knowledge thing? No, No, I
2: guess
3: not. Well, I guess I'm dumb and smart. (laughs) Um, Marlon Brando was supposed to play uh, Pete Postlethwaite's character, uh, but his son went on trial for murder at the time, so he couldn't. Wow.
2: (laughs) That will get in the way of things.
3: (laughs) Um... The film is exactly two hours long because in the play it says, uh, Is now the two hours traffic off our stage? Oh, so the come film is on, exactly. Baz. I know, but how many stylistic things does he put in? That- yeah,
1: that's a bit much though. That's a bit like, mm, Yeah, I'm
3: clearing Do you reckon he just had loads of random pauses in the film that made no sense? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've got three and a half minutes. I'll Robert- wait here for five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> But
2: speaking of scenes in that movie that I always remember and get a little bit turned on by, um, is that one of Leonardo DiCaprio as Romeo? He's basically um, been exiled and he's just like in a trailer smoking fags,
3: oh, it's and so there's so no fit, dialogue. It? Yeah. It's so
2: fit. So that might be what makes up the two hours. <laughs> there's
3: <laughs> probably
2: way yeah, more footage of him uh, smoking fags. A
3: few more scenes of this, please, Leo.
2: <laughs> in your lovely Hawaiian shirt. Yeah.
3: He really made Hawaiian
2: shirts so fucking hard, didn't he?
3: Well, Baz Luhrmann apparently was looking for someone to play Romeo, didn't know who Leonardo DiCaprio was, Mm -hmm. saw a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio and said, God, that guy should play Romeo. Mm -hmm. But he thought he was like a little rock star or something because it was just a magazine that he didn't, and he didn't know who Leonardo DiCaprio was. He didn't know he was an actor? No. Ah. And then they said, well, why don't you ask him? And then he got him. And then Leonardo DiCaprio, like, unsurprisingly, studios were not very keen to do this at first because they were like, right, so you're going to have the Shakespearean dialogue, but it's going to be... Set in day, this would never work. Yeah. it's really weird. People won't pay to see those. Yeah, exactly. And Leonardo DiCaprio signed up and flew to Australia to like plead with bosses that he really had faith in this. Oh, I know. Just helping the carbon footprint there that he's always banging on about (laughs) by flying all over the world. Uh, And also the scene with with Mercutio on the beach that's all kind of like an abandoned theatre that was filmed just before the hurricane got so bad that they couldn't film. So that's why it is actually really chaotic. Oh, wow. I know. Mm. Baz Luhrmann has lived a charmed life. I'm going to watch this movie again. I know. I I haven't seen it in years. It really made me want to watch it again because I haven't seen it in ages. Yeah. so the other thing that I found that was very interesting about Baz Luhrmann was, of course, his single that he released that went straight <gasps> to number yes. one. Do you know it? What? Yeah, no, in the 19... sunscreen song. Yeah, the sunscreen song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I How, do know that. You, yeah, a lot of people don't put two and two together that that's, that's Baz Luhrmann. I don't think I knew who it was, really, but I know the song. Yeah. If you don't know, it's just a man. It's actually the voice of uh, an Australian actor called Lee Perry, who's got a very gravelly sort of voice. Um, and he's just reading this advice. Um, and I'll just read the opening bit, but you should Google the lyrics if you don't know them because they're. it makes you feel good reading them. I and mean,
2: it's a cliche for a reason, isn't yeah. it? It's like, mm, And I it's strange, yeah.
3: And it's really strange that he just, because Baz Luhrmann released his soundtracks, basically, but then he put this on the end,
2: oh, and it hey. went to number one. Yeah, because the main refrain in it is from Romeo and Juliet. The brothers and sisters, na-na-na, that bit. Oh, That's yeah. in Rumi and Juliet.
3: Never thought about that. Mm. So, yeah, so the opening few lines, and he's just reading them. Is, Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99, wear sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. And then they go on about sunscreen a little bit, but then there's, it's just kind of nice things about life. Um, you will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they are faded. You're not as fat as you imagine. <laughs> Don't worry about the future or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. And it's just like Instagram quotes yeah right, it song. is it but really it was is. like before those like
2: annoying quotes yeah. were things so it's just like
3: hmm <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah don't be reckless with other people's hearts don't put up with people who are reckless with yours floss you know that kind of real dichotomy between yeah. stuff like that so I was I was thinking oh did he write this song or whatever um, this song was actually well, sorry well, it wasn't a song it was just a list it was yeah. a, by um, a Chicago tribute journalist Mary Smitch Who's now 63 she still writes three times a week for the paper mm-hmm. and this was one of her columns you know one of those sort of roundup columns where yeah, it's like 28 things I've learned oh. when I'm 28 and in typical fashion guys she was it was the early days of the internet and she had done this thing and it went you know viral for the time yeah and it was misquoted to Kurt von gut oh am I saying oh. that name right Kurt vonnegut Kurt Vonnegut yeah uh, and it wasn't his fault. It was some probably a boy misquoting it. So Mary wrote this extremely famous song that went to number one and all didn't over the get world. The and for didn't it. get the credit for oh. it. Did
2: you get royalties for it at least? Um, I, I don't Rob know. A wealthy woman.
3: Um, and it says her involvement is barely known or spoken about. But then that has nearly always been the way. And her column was called Wear Sunscreen. Ah. Oh. I know. I'm so pissed off for her. I know. And this I think... segment should be about her. Exactly. We'll do another. We'll do another segment one day about Mary Schnitz. Yeah, let's, let's give her Schmitch. a call. Yeah, it's amazing. And apparently, Vonnegut was like really miffed as well because he kept getting all this praise for it, and he was like, "I didn't write it." Yeah, because
2: it's not even like Kurt Vonnegut Because it's no. really like really cynical and like, meh, and it's really hopeful.
3: Mm. It's quite twee in places, like, but it's just lovely. It is, it? but it's just a nice little song. Yeah, no, it's not a song, but you know what I mean. So, yeah, so basically there's another, there's another masculine washing over of history with a woman yeah. that still writes a weekly column and didn't get the credit. That has to
2: be a new leaderboard as well. Things that women have gotten credit oh, for. Yeah. yeah,
3: fully. And once uh, Mary was accused of plagiarism for it, even though it was her own thing. <gasps> oh.
2: oh, my God. I'm, she so, gets I'm so, yeah. so furious on her behalf. Mary, if you're out there, I believe in you.
3: Yeah, and she said, it was a. They said, where did the idea come from? She said, it was a Friday. I was on my third column of the week and I was out of ideas. <laughs> and she just, and then she wrote it. How crazy is that? What a Good ledge. on her. But anyway, yeah, so Basil Erman stole her poem. So he's mostly nice, apart from that.
1: caroline i understand that this week you're going to teach us about something that much like the three of us likes to separate into rounded spheres and then poison people
2: Mm, yes Anna, i'm talking about the angelina jolie of the elemental table because it's beautiful but deadly oh Mm. i always assume that angelina jolie has killed someone you know, oh, I, I just take has, it for yeah. granted that she definitely has. Maybe yeah. not directly, but she would have told someone to kill someone. Oh, I mean, recently that's how she's doing it. Yeah, but I think in the '90s when she was wearing a lot of tank tops and blood,
3: yeah, know, she, that
2: that was her murder thing.
1: Yeah,
3: she's killed a man with her bare hands. Yeah, mm. yeah.
2: But
1: you're talking about Mercury, right? Mercury mm. man, um, which also Brad Pitt did have a relationship with as
2: well. <laughs> He still wears some of it around his yeah. Uh, neck. Um, yeah, well, honestly, earlier Alex did an incredibly uh, accurate impression of me, which which made me think, maybe I should stop covering cultural history so goddamn much on this podcast.
3: <laughs> I enjoy it. I feel terrible now. I love when you do that. I feel like I learn about the context and why it came about. I know, but also I feel very seen. So just <laughs> I just to, like doing accents. I mean, I feel like you should do the impression now just
2: to so everyone knows where my pain comes from. Yeah,
3: context. Okay, so basically I said that um when Caroline's talking about something like Ouija boards or anything like that, she'll be like... And the thing was that this was the first time people were sort of alone together in their own environments and <laughs> having... You know, culturally, people were left alone for the first time so they began to... <laughs>
2: You're such an asshole also. (laughs) That's incredibly correct.
3: Um, So I was like, fuck her, man. (laughs) So sorry. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I think it's great.
2: Well, thank you, Hannah. But I just thought, you know, last week, uh, Alex went into the French your French territory. I'm taking new territory again this week by talking about science. Mm. Yeah, I said it science. Awesome. Science. <laughs> phonetically. Science, <Of> course, yes. <laughs> and I'm talking about the element mercury. So uh, mercury, it's in science. Uh, it's on the elemental table. An element is obviously when something is broken down to its purest form of itself.
3: Oh mm, so what is it? it so it's is, like an organic substance.
2: It's a chemical element. Um that is, mental. Is it a <laughs> metal? Yeah, it is. It is like a metal. It is the only form of like liquid metal. Mm. Essentially, mm. it's very. It's a very very strange beast.
3: And you can't freeze it. Uh, Can you? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the point? Like that's why it's in a thermometer.
2: Yeah. So uh, mercury, the big beautiful bad boy that it is, is used in thermometers.
3: Yeah. Barometers amateurs. What? What's a manometer? I don't know, my but memories. it went on the Wikipedia page. That sounds like something Paddy McGuinness would hold up in a quiz in a game show. Yeah, my, my manometers. Let uh, the man see the <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, um,
2: they're they're in tooth fillings as well. They can be what um, in fluorescent lamps, and of course, what we've figured out over the last few years is that mercury is incredibly deadly. Um, oh no! I know. Also, like. I have to really reinstate because I spent so long today on YouTube videos looking at Mercury. Um, it's amazing. It's so cool, it's right? It's so hypnotic. Like, do you know in the first Harry Potter book when he finds <gasps> that mirror he can't stop looking at? Yeah. It's that Oh I thought you science. were going to say it's like
3: unicorn blood because it's silver, it isn't is it? It is like
2: unicorn blood. And um, it, uh, it was like a fascination of alchemists back in the olden days because... Um, it, it for it like mixes with gold and it's like the only thing that mixes with gold so oh. if you if you um, look at science videos <laughs> at sciencevideos.com <laughs> um, uh, they've got like sheets of gold leaf and they drop mercury onto it and it just kind of absorbs it looks like tin foil scrunching up into itself but it's doing it by itself and it's <gasps> gold wow. and it's so and you can see why like alchemists would think like oh this is how we do it right this is how we take gold and make it lots of gold. So, it's like, technically, it's a heavy, silvery element. Um, it's the only metallic element that is liquid, um, or that can be liquid at standard conditions for temperature and pressure.
3: Is it what Alex Mack turned into in the, in the show?
2: Oh my God, I literally have that joke written down because that's exactly what it looks like. It yeah. looks like
3: Alex Mack.
2: Yeah. Um, Hannah's too young to remember Do Alex you know, Mack. Oh my God. I how? don't know what this is. Alex Mack was like a Nickelodeon TV show. Um, where it was a teenage girl who like lived near a science
3: place? Yeah, she lived like, like a, a factory, like a nuclear
2: was... power plant. Yeah. like in my head, it was always like Mr. Burns' yes, nuclear power plant. she used to think so. Well. Yeah, and like it was like she lived in a really small town um, where everybody was employed by this one place, and uh, she got like chemical spill on her, and then she like she can turn into a liquid. <gasps> oh, and it was cool. like a silvery yeah. liquid,
3: and she could like slither around and yeah. solve mysteries. All Basically,
2: right. like her only like skill was just like slithering into a liquid, going under a door frame, and then yeah. coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Great school though, great. It was a very mild superpower. So she and like the science place were always after her as well.
3: Yeah. Oh it yeah, was they real were real good.
2: And actually, I'd rather just talk about that for ten minutes, to be honest. <laughs> but we have to talk about Mercury. <laughs> um, so uh, Mercury was named after the Roman god Mercury. Um, I was really confused about like what came first, the planet or the element? Yeah, the yeah, famous
3: yeah. query. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just really the wankerest chicken in the egg, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah, so uh, both Mercury the planet and Mercury the element were named after the god oh. of Mercury, right? Um, so he was like the kind of Greek god of financial gain, commerce, um, messages, travelers, boundaries, luck. Trickery and Thieves. So it's a, a bit lot. like Saints, sure. just like they kind
3: of pin whatever onto them. Yeah, he was a slashy millennial. He had yeah, lot. he, had he a lot was of a going
2: on. <laughs> Mad slash. Um, so I think that probably the reason, uh, I didn't see this written anywhere, but probably the reason that Mercury, the element, was named after the god Mercury because like it literally looks like silver, so it's like finance and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And all the people that live on Mercury are notoriously very rich.
2: Yeah, wealth, looking like wealth mm. over there. Um, and I was also really curious about like what it means to be a uh, Mercurian retrograde Oh so, yeah. yeah, that's a planet thing, right? That's a planet thing. And like, as you guys know, I'm heavy into my bullshit. Like, yeah. I will like if someone says to me like S- like crystals are a thing, I'll be like, I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> but even but like with the Mercury and retrograde thing, I'm like, really, really Queen. You know, yeah, that a yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and apparently, what it is is that um so Mercury, the planet, its orbit around the sun is shorter than Earth, right? So um. Earth is 365 days. Mercury is 88 days. So at a certain point in the calendar year, um, Mercury like Earth surpasses Mercury, and Mercury briefly looks like it's going backwards because Earth is oh, traveling at such a velocity. Yeah. So that's what it like Mercury in retrograde oh. is. And because like uh, the god of Mercury was associated with like finance and also mischief and also messages, uh, it's like oh things going wrong. Uh, is like him being him playing up and him doing his thing. Oh. And literally like because like farmers and like scientists and stuff, uh they looked at the stars so much more than we do now to like regulate their crops and stuff and like what was going on. They were like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde, mischief is a foot Oh, you know? and we still I like, talk about it today, even though there's like no scientific proof. Yeah, but it feels like there's lots of proof.
3: Anytime yeah.
1: anyone's like Mercury's in retrograde, you're like, I've had a shitty week.
3: Yeah, and totally. It probably is
1: like self-fulfilling.
2: Probably if no one said that, I'd be like, oh, it's been a mess. Yeah. Fine. Having said that, I completely believe that like everyone gets weird around the full moon, particularly women.
3: Probably, because that does actually have something to do with your periods.
2: Yeah, well, they say that, and it does. Yeah, there's so many myths around that kind of stuff, isn't there? Like, mm. it's prob- I probably want to investigate that for a whole other thing, but, like, it's supposed to, like, it controls the tides, it controls the waters in your body. Yeah. Like, mm. It's a thing, but, like, all I know is that during a full moon, I rarely sleep very well.
3: Really? Mm. And I, I think look you, you
2: f- realise, too, if you look into it.
3: Oh, mm. oh, I know, I sleep like a brick every you do. Night. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh You have an off button. Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. Which is the what are only saving graces of my personality. <laughs> well, but yeah, when I look at the moon, when I look at the full moon, I start bleeding profusely. So I think it's probably got something to do with it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Ah. Um. So Mercury is in like a lot of stuff uh, because by accident sometimes, because some of it gets dumped into the water, um, and then it gets into fish, and yeah. then people get mercury poisoning from fish, oh. which is really really scary because like it gets into your brain, mercury poisoning. Oh. Um, like famously Ernest Hemingway the writer he shot himself in the head but uh, and everyone thought it was like oh he just had depression but apparently he had mercury poisoning and he just went mental because of it really and that's why it scares me so much as a concept like because it just gets into your brain and it's very hard to detect yeah yeah, so symptoms of mercury poisoning, um, it it, uh, it depends on your level of exposure, obviously, but um, is muscle weakness, poor coordination, numbness in your hands and feet, rashes, anxiety, trouble speaking, trouble hearing, like all these things that like in isolation, mm. I feel like you'd just be like, oh, yeah, I'm just having a weird week or yeah, like, oh, yeah. I'm just getting a bit older. And you would not know that you've been exposed to massive amounts of mercury. Um And, yeah, people are, like, really, really pissed about it. Like, it's becoming, like, the new asbestos or the new, like, lead paint that uh, we're exposed to so much mercury and it's actually quite deadly and nobody wants to do anything about it.
3: Well, as the world's biggest hypochondriac, I'll be down the doctors next week. Yeah.
2: There you go, dude. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. As
1: usual, we're rounding off the podcast with a smart lesson and this week we're learning about something which statistically
3: affects around 7 out of 10 smart women and that's having a career change. That's right Hannah, every good story must have a conflict to resolve and the story of how you became a smart woman is no different. If you've not had a difficult childhood with substantial obstacles to overcome, you're going to have to find another way to spice up the tale of how you got to be so goddamn successful. That's right. And that's where career changes
2: come into it.
1: But what's important here is that you can't have just any career change. It has to follow a format that has been carved into the proverbial smart woman's stone tablet for centuries now.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah, you have to have this thing of like... um I was working in finance and I was I had clients and I had um accounting software and I had and I was at the top of my game and you have to like r- tell a lot that you were at the top of your game uh, and then but but then I left it all behind yeah
1: I think yeah. the stars have to align and in this yeah. case that means that you have to have savings from your six figure salary in mm-hmm. finance um, a supportive partner yeah. but also you have to be attractive enough to create a hit Instagram account documenting how you set up the pig farm or Whatever Whatever the thing yeah. you choose yeah.
3: Yeah. and uh, yeah that's the thing They do, you don't mention um, Oh, I was able to do this you know they say hard work and determination and just pure dedication to the cause and they'd always wanted to do it but actually what it is is that they had so much money but they had enough money to just lay back on it so mm-hmm. what I'd say is don't mention the fact that you're probably a squillionaire anyway and it wouldn't really matter what you did yeah
1: and I think don't mention it as well when you're on the pig farm to the pigs because they won't respect you
3: that's the thing yeah, yeah. It's you know? very important when raising pigs is the respect. Mm. You don't want them to feel intimidated by the fact that you're really smart and a banker. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: It's also really important that when you're giving an interview to a magazine, when you're talking about, like, you have to believably talk about things being hard, but they have to be, like, cute hard. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. You have to be like, oh, and the kids were just running around barefoot in the mud. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you can't be like, and um, we had a fight because I, the indoor plumbing didn't work for... 10 years and uh, he almost (sighs) left me and I wept into the pig's back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It just has to be very wholesome because people have to sort of see themselves through the prism of your rural happiness.
1: Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also, of course, it has to be said, go from one high-flying career to another high-flying career if you want. Um, but it is less dramatic. Yeah. And it's not such a good story. The Instagram account won't come quite as naturally. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd get magazine deals.
3: Yeah, because offices yeah. look quite similar. So the change yeah. wouldn't be very obvious.
1: The main takeaway is geographical. It's a move from city to country or from a cold country to a hot country, mm-hmm. uh, from a soulless mega enterprise to a one woman business, yeah. generally.
2: Yeah. Um, when you're living in a yet. And the longer you've been in something, the further the geographical distance you have to make from that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you've been working for two years, move to Beckham. (laughs) Yeah. If you've been working for 20 years, move to Scotland. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I think so. And of course, career changes the other way around as well, where you leave your one-woman cupcake business to become a recruitment consultant. Um, They are possible, but they're rare. So if this has happened to you or anyone you know,
3: Uh, please do send us a link to your Instagram account. Yeah, which is probably dwindling in followers minute by minute.
1: Well, that's all we have time for this week. We hope you've come out of this episode empowered,
3: inspired, and perhaps slightly queasy. As the resident hypochondriac, I shall now investigate all the symptoms of Baz Luhrmann poisoning that I'm currently exhibiting. Thanks as usual to Harry Harris
1: for our jingle, Gavin Day for our logo, and Soho Radio Studios for the recording space. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review on the iTunes store so we can do a faux modest tweets about how
2: great we are. Bye! 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 Bye. I feel like, as well, I always do ones that are like, look how I am. You can make a the
3: into about
2: cultural the- history. <laughs> 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 it's you. <laughs> it me.
3: <laughs> but like, I really like it when you do those bits. I feel like I'm really learning something. No, no,
1: leave me alone. Stop looking at me.
2: Shut up.
3: <laughs> I'm really pretty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you destroying me?